0: You are listening to the podcast from Mosaic Church. Stay tuned it for more info about how to get and stay connected
1: with our church family. Now, let's dive into this week's message. Our scripture reading today is from Matthew 2. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Then, being divinely warned in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed for their own country another way. Amen.
0: Amen. Good morning, Mosaic. Good morning. My name is Wendell Williams, and I serve as the pastor of student ministries here. Yeah, Um, yeah. Yeah. students are in this service. I like it. Um, My wife and I, Melissa, have have been a part of Mosaic since we were college students. Uh, We're actually Uh, Pastor Morgan and Carrie Stevens were our campus pastors um, when we were 17, 18 years old. So we've been here for for a a long time, Uh, and now we have uh, added to the congregation. We have four additional uh, little little people: um, three daughters, Zoe, Kobe, and Tori, and our our new six-month-old Jackson, who has joined the group. So. Um, I just want to say thank you to to our elders, to our pastors, to all of you um, who who make Mosaic family. You make it family. So thank you. Thank you for that and for being a part of it. Um, If you are new here or if this is your first time, welcome. If you were here last week, um, then you know we are in a, a new series for the Advent season called Rediscovering the Gifts of Christmas. And we've been looking at those things that we long for the most in ourselves or in the world around us. And what we'll find out during our search is those are the things that the person of Jesus Christ came to bring us all along. Now, I, I must admit um, from, from the, the beginning, from the jump, that this is the most difficult message I have ever had to prepare. Um, and that probably has a, a lot to do with the Lord trying to communicate something to me. Um, and because I, I can be a little, um, what's the word, hard-headed sometimes, <laughs> um, if you ask my wife, it's likely a little more than sometimes. But a few years ago, um, we bought our first house, and uh, a really strong, a really, really, really strong windstorm came through. I get to tell the story, so I get to, you know, yes. tell you tell you how strong that windstorm was. But it came through, and it blew down our our backyard fence. And as I'm in the backyard looking, inspecting our fence, uh, assessing the damage. I find a piece of our roof in the backyard as well. And so my one job looking at this fence has now turned into two jobs um, added to the honeydew do list, right? And I pick up this piece of roof, and I decide that's the job, that's the route uh, I'm, I'm going to have to take a look at first. Um, and so I, I, I begin to um, search online for someone to do it. That is better than me because I, I am not a handyman. Um, <laughs> but if you know, if you're Brett Milliken this year, you could have gone to the garage, got your tools, and make it happen. But that's not me. Um, I do not go to the garage. I do not go to my, my get my tools. Um, I go to the internet and <laughs> find out that it's going to cost about four or five hundred bucks for someone to repair my roof for one shingle, and. I'm not paying four or five hundred bucks, so I'm a man, I've seen home improvement, I've seen <laughs> fixer-upper, um, Chip and Joanna Gaines, Tim 2 Tumont Taylor, we can do this, um, so I go to my garage, <laughs> and I get in my car and drive to Home Depot, um, but while I'm at Home Depot, I begin, begin collecting my tools, I get a hammer, I get some roofing nails, um, I'm walking down the aisle. I'm really feeling myself. I'm like, yeah, I got this. Like, I'm, I'm getting tools. I'm going to add it to my collection. Um, but then that's where my real roofing education begins. I learned that you cannot simply purchase one shingle. No single shingles um, from Home Depot. In fact, you must purchase a box of shingles. And so after my failed attempt to talk to my local Home Depot representative and to allow me to purchase one shingle, I now have a hammer, some roofing nails, and a box of shingles. And my trip to Home Depot is just about complete. Now all I need is a ladder and a truck. And so I go to the rental section of Home Depot, $19 to rent a pickup truck for 75 minutes. So one single, I'll be done in 75 minutes. Um, I, I turn to my home, local Home Depot representative, and I say, um, in addition to my truck, I will also be needing a ladder. And so he said, we can help you with that. So... He takes me to the ladder section, and he asks me, is it a one-story is it a two-story? Two I'm like, it's a two-story. He said, okay, you're going to need an extension ladder. <laughs> extension ladder? Okay. Like, it's the same as any other ladder, yes? No? No, it, it's, it's not. <laughs> it's a little, little different. Um, and so he helps me take it outside to my, my $19 truck. I got 75 minutes, and then he turns and goes to walk back inside. I'm like, wait, wait, Mr. Local Home Depot representative. I need help putting this, securing this to the truck. So he comes back. He helps put it on the truck for me. (laughs) I got my roofing nails, my hammer, everything in the back, my box of shingles. And I begin to drive home. As I gingerly turn onto my street, uh, gingerly, I hear a (sighs) And (laughs) in my rear view, (laughs) the ladder, the extension ladder, is flying off the back of my truck. And it lands in a ditch. So I quickly pull the truck over, pick up the ladder by myself, and put it on the back of the truck. (laughs) And I start driving home right down the block. And I park. I get out. I take my my hammer, my roofing nails, my two shingles out of the box because I don't need the whole box. I just needed one shingle. And I put the ladder against the roof. I extend it. Right. To get as close as I can to the top. And I then begin climbing up the ladder. I didn't realize how high it was. Um, (laughs) So then I began to question myself as I'm climbing the ladder and because my wife is not at home. um, I'm like, if this ladder falls, what am I going to do? And so as I'm about halfway up, I do the unthinkable. Right. What they tell you not to do when you're somewhere high. Don't look down. I look down. And as I look down, I'm like, what am I doing? Why, why am I doing this? <laughs> but I keep climbing. I get to the top of the ladder. I toss my shingles, my two shingles onto the top of the roof. Um, and now I, I have to get off the ladder and onto the roof. So <laughs> I've seen home improvement. I get on to the, the roof and <laughs> I slowly transition from the top of the roof onto the ladder. Check my pockets, make sure I got my hammer, my roofing nails, dust my clothes off. I look around. No neighbors saw me, so I'm good. I did it. And I then do the logical next step, which is take out my phone and start taking selfies. Because I did that, man. I made it. I am the man. And... (laughs) I started inspecting the roof to find out where that shingle I found in my yard came from. And I um, discovered that it's not one shingle that's missing. It's actually two shingles that are missing. But, (laughs) look at your boy, I had two shingles. Thinking ahead. But in my dismount from the ladder to the roof... I tore one of my shingles (laughs) so I'm not going back down the ladder to get another shingle what am I to do so I call my brother my older brother who is a a super handyman he can fix anything um FaceTime him like hey bro what you up to man I'm just up here on a Saturday doing some roof work you know um but I only got one shingle two spots to fill what 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 should I do (laughs) he has no solution for me other than go down the ladder and get another shingle. (laughs) All right, bro, I'll talk to you later, man, Uh, because I'm not doing that. And I decide then I'm going to go ahead and choose one of these spots to repair. And if I have to repair it with a broken shingle, so be it. So I use the good shingle to cover one spot. And then I have this brilliant idea. I'm going to FaceTime my wife maybe she could just throw me some shingles onto the roof or climb the ladder and bring them up. No, 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 yeah, no, 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 bad idea. So she's going to frisbee toss me some shingles onto the roof. So she gets home, and I climb down to a lower part of the roof. And at this moment, you're like, wait, there's a lower part of the roof? Yeah, I didn't, I, I didn't know. I just, my bad. I didn't know I could get to it. So I'm laying, again, on the roof, and my wife is... If you've ever seen a shingle, it's not like one little piece. That's what I thought. It's actually like three tabs. So it's about that long, about that wide. She's frisbee-tossing as many as she can. I'm yelling from the roof while laying on the roof. Maybe take two and throw them at the same time. Take three, throw them at the same time. While I'm trying to get my my receiver on and catch at least one. And so finally, after the, the fifth or sixth try, I catch one. So now I'm good. I can replace that last shingle that's missing. I attach the shingles to the roof, and my brother FaceTimes me. He's like, hey, I just want to check on you, see, see how everything's going. I'm like, oh, man, it's going good. Like, it's going real good, actually. I just got the other shingle. Uh, I didn't tell him how I got the shingle, but I was like, I just got the other shingle. And I, I put him on, and so I Facetime, let him see my work. And then he asked me, uh, man, that looks good, but do you have any type of sealant to fill in the nail holes? I'm like, sealant? My local Home Depot res- representative did not say anything about sealant. <laughs> how critical is this sealant? It, it, it's, it's cri- okay, all right, well, I, I, I don't know. I'm not sending my wife to Home Depot to get sealant. I got how much time? 75 minutes, man. I got to get this truck back. So now I'm done. <laughs> Comes time for my dismount from the roof. Back to the ladder. So I secure my hammer and my roofing nails in my pockets, and I lay down again on the roof. And my feet are dangling. Look, I can barely do it on this. Imagine me being on the roof, right? I'm dangling trying to find the ladder with my feet. So I have to continue sliding in faith to find this ladder. I, I grab the top of the roof and the bottom of the roof. My belly, again, I'm getting cut up trying to find the ladder. My my feet finally land on it. I begin climbing down. I don't take more than one or two steps. A little wobble happens in the ladder. I'm like, "Uh uh-oh, no. What is happening? So I do what you're supposed to do, right? I close my eyes. And I start praying. And I just keep climbing down the ladder with my eyes closed and before I know it, I'm back up safely on the ground, and I made it, right, so I look up at the ladder, look up at the roof, and I say, thank you, Jesus, for, no, I'm not that humble, I take out my phone, I'm taking selfies, you did it, bro, you, that's how high it was, and Here's the thing, though. I, I received a, a tremendous gift through that experience. And that gift, I believe, is in, in short supply today. There's a lack of it in our society. But I believe the presence of it saved my life and can save yours. And I think the absence of it could actually kill you. And that gift is the gift of humility. Now, I don't know if you know, but there's, there's recently been a, a ton of research done on the topic of humility. we're gonna take a brief look at what humility is and what it is not. But study after study from secular researchers, non-Christian researchers, they're discovering that there's evidence lifting up the benefits of humility while tearing down long-held stereotypes that can have dangerous consequences for the well-being of individuals and nations. One of those researchers, Peter Hill, a university psychology professor and past president of the Society for the Psychology of Religion and Spirituality of the American Psychological Association, really important, smart guy, he's found that humility is actually not weak-willed. It's not stoop-shouldered. It's not individuals of low self-worth. In reality, it takes a strong will and courage to celebrate the gifts of others while being honest about one's own shortcomings. In fact, some of the positive outcomes you'd probably be happy to know of practicing humility are that humble people are more successful in areas of business and romance. Amen? Humble people experience better physical and mental health. Humble people contribute more to prosperous societies. Humble people are open to learning from others. And at a basic level, People like humble people. And if all of this is true, and there are so many positive outcomes to practicing humility, then why are we willing to vilify those who disagree with us, including entire ethnic, racial, or religious groups, rather than engage in humble dialogue? You see, we need humility. The presence of it brings life, and the absence of it brings death. And we see that plainly in Matthew 2. Well, we find a couple of biblical characters included in Jesus's origin story that can help us take a closer look at what humility looks like, as well as what the absence of it looks like. And the first of the two is the Magi. What I love about the Magi is that these weren't just three random guys coming to bring baby Jesus some Christmas presents. No, despite what tradition has taught us, there were likely several Magi, and they traveled with an entourage of servants and soldiers. I mean, they're bringing... Treasure, gold, frankincense, myrrh across the desert. And when they show up on the scene, verse 3 says, the king and all of Jerusalem were troubled. They asked the question, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? And the current king and his advisors, they're troubled. What's equally interesting is that they made this journey, this thousand plus mile journey, leaving behind their homeland, their families. And religiously, they wouldn't even be considered Christians if we called people Christians back then. No, they were likely part of a monotheistic religion, a sect called Zoroastrians. And it still exists today, but will likely die out in a few years. It's where we actually, the the, the God that they followed was named Mazda. It's where we get the brand Mazda from. But God prompted them to follow a star To search out a ruler, the shepherd, prophesied from long ago. And if, if you're a seeker here today, if you're seeking something, and you're willing to follow God's prompting, that's saying something, that's saying a lot. Because we live in a time where people don't, they don't like to claim that they found something. And when we do find something, there's usually an object attached to our search, a something to be found. You see, the Magi, they were smart, they were wealthy, they were respected. And yet they were still willing to follow a star in the sky, follow God's prompting, in search of he who will be born king. This what's so awesome about God. He always initiates our desire to search for him. And if you're a middle school, high school student in the room, this is our service today too, right? If, if you've got friends, classmates, teammates that claim that they're searching for some, something and you're choosing to follow them, let me encourage you to be clear on what the object of their search is. As you already know, you've grown up in a world of search. And you've been taught that information is the end point of search. That if you've got the information, that's the key to making everything better. But the arrival at information alone is insufficient. Middle school and high school only last a few short years. So I challenge you not to spend that time following behind somebody who's searching after death and doesn't even know it. But the Magi aren't the only ones in this story. Let's briefly take a look at Herod the Great and how the absence of humility brings death. You may know a little bit about Herod the Great already. Uh, It's told first service. I feel like I I missed an opportunity every time I see a a, a king who adds the great onto their name. Like, should I have gone with Wendell the Great or (laughs) named one of my children the great? Like, Because no matter how bad they were, they're still great. I don't know. But (laughs) Herod the Great, schemed, plotted, killed those closest to him because he was constantly worried about someone trying to take his place, including his wife, two of his sons. And what's also interesting is, is he wasn't a Jew. The spot wasn't rightfully his, but the Romans put him in that spot. So it probably played into why he was constantly concerned about someone taking his spot. And as Pastor Morgan said last week, Herod the Great his legacy was essentially he built a lot of buildings, killed a lot of people. Herod the Great and his wisest men, they had the information. They knew when and where Jesus was to be born after the, the Magi prompted them with the question. And yet their response wasn't, man, yeah, let's go. Like, everybody, let's, let's go see this king being born. It was bothered and troubled. And I know we had a little bit of fun with with Herod, but it's, it's really never a joke when a person of pride is in a position of leadership. In the church, in the community, at the national level, even at home, parents, pride looks like never apologizing to your kids when you've made a mistake or done something wrong, which in a way communicates you're perfect. Pride acts like I've got to look out for me. If I want to get promoted in my job, I've got to build a case to be number one. After all, everybody's looking out for themselves too, right? And relationships, I'm not apologizing. I didn't do anything wrong. They should be apologizing to me. I'm not going to forgive them until they do what they're supposed to do. You see, there's a little Herod in each of us. He shows us what it looks like to sit on the throne of our own hearts, of our own lives. The question, though, is what's going to dethrone that little Herod in each of us? Because pride is like a guy on a ladder praying he doesn't fall one minute and then taking selfies on the rooftop the next. You see, we teeter between humility and pride, life and death, and we know better. We've got the information, but we can't fix it on our own. The reality is we've got the wrong king. We need a better king. We need a king who is humility embodied. A king who understands that the presence of humility brings life and the absence of it brings death. And yet willingly laid down and died that it might bring us life. And in his resurrection, we share in that life. Jesus' humility actually brought death to him. But life to us. You see, humility is more than a virtue lost or to be regained it is the person of Christ it's always been as he's always been it's in his birth it's in his life it's in his death it's in his resurrection and he offers us the gift of himself in increasing measure and in him there is none wise no Jew no Gentile but for all who would draw near to him forgiveness and life for he will draw near to to us power of Christ can transform our hearts to bring life out of death
1: Thanks for listening. For more info about how to get and stay connected to Mosaic Church, please visit us online at www.mosaicchurchaustin.com or download our app from your app store.